We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Happy Monday, December 18th episode of the NBA Front Office Show. Welcome in. Keith, start the countdown. One week till Christmas. We're almost there. I'm excited. And uh, we've got a busy day. Tis the season. We had a lot going on over the weekend. So tons to break down today in the NBA world. By the way, I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me over on, on X. I almost said Twitter again. At Trevor underscore Lane. You can find me on threads and Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Joined by Keith Smith, the man who was smart enough just to make his social handle uniform across platforms at Keith Smith NBA. Keith, how are you doing? I'm good. And I also did that years and years and years ago. So that was just, uh, you know, just made it easy. I'm not a very smart person, so I need to make it simple for myself uh, to remember. So I just did my name. It's also, you know, it can be hard when you have a very common name to uh, find uh, th things that work. So I've, I've learned how to get a little tricky uh, with, with the naming conventions on things. So, yeah, man, we were just talking in the pre-show before we started recording. We didn't take a day off. And yet, like, there's like 900 stories that we need to get into. So we should probably just dive right in. All right, let's do it. Uh, let's start. Uh, well, I mean, it's the Christmas season. If anybody is in the giving mood, uh, Danny Ainge will be accepting <laughs> gifts in the form of first round picks, apparently wanting five picks, according to Kevin O'Connor, uh, in exchange for Lowry Markinen, looking for a Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert size deal for marketing now i know i've seen the reaction already on social media the eye rolls the eyes are rolling so far back in everybody's heads and people are amazed at this look it's this it's this time of year right if the jazz really want to move lowry marketing that that number that that asking price is going to come down but right now when teams aren't really ready to make trades yet you, you might as well ask for everything as for everything that you can, you can only come down from there. Also, our friendly reminder, not all first-round picks are created equal. Even with those disclaimers, though, there's still got to be a decent amount of sticker shock here, Keith, with five-ish picks for Lowry Markkinen. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that is, like, the number that's reserved for guys who are, like, the best of the best. Yeah. Right. Or have potential to be at that level. And and when we start hearing about that for guys who aren't at really that level, that turns into uh, what? Like, wh where are we going with this? But it's Danny Ainge. He always is going to drive a very hard bargain. Uh, I think the more important takeaway for me is Laurie Markkinen's not untouchable for the mm -hmm. Jazz. Like the Jazz 
very clearly they don't have a single untouchable on their roster. And this is just a good point to, you know, kind of gently remind everyone. There are only, there are very few uh, true untouchables in the NBA. The list is far, far smaller than the average fan would like to admit. And no, five of them don't all play on you, whatever your favorite team is, right? Like it's just not how it works. It's, you know, people label guys untouchable. Now there are guys who will cost a lot more to get Mm -hmm. uh, than others in that. So in the marketing place, yeah, I mean, that seems a little crazy. Five-ish picks or something in that range of picks and players and other stuff. But he was an all-star last year. He's been very good again this year. The team has not been very good. They're not uh, one of the surprise darlings of the league like they were a year ago. They are more in line with where I think we thought they'd be a year ago. It just, you know, last year they kind of snuck up on everybody and caught them by surprise. So I'm not surprised this is out there. And it wouldn't shock me if in a month and a half when we're at the actual trade deadline, if we get a the Jazz are trading Laurie Markkinen uh, type move in part because Laurie Markkinen's salary is not so large that it's very yeah. hard to move either. And that also makes things uh, a lot more interesting. He's a guy a lot of contenders could go get because his salary isn't $35, $40 million. Well, and now he's on the record saying, uh, I believe it was yesterday or day before to Sam Amick, saying that he believes in what the Jazz are building for the future. Like he doesn't want to go anywhere. He would prefer to stay with, with the Utah Jazz. But nonetheless, uh, he's a very tradable contract. And if the Jazz see the opportunity to make the move, we know Danny Ainge will will do it. Um, again, I do, I would be shocked if he gets the five-ish picks. Now, if it's five picks and like two or three of them are not real first-round picks or something, again, that's where we get into the whole not all first-round picks are created equal bit of this. But still, yeah. that asking price is high. I'm sure offers are low right now. By the time we get to February 8th, maybe they'll meet in the middle. We'll have to wait and see. But I think you're right. I think the, I think the, the big takeaway, Larry Markin, are not untouchable and maybe another name to monitor out there on the market. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's just, you know, I, I've seen some stuff around, you know, could the Jazz trade Colin Sexton? Could they move Kelly Olenek? I think other than the guys on the rookie scale deals, I would keep an eye on just about anybody on that roster. We've mm-hmm. even heard John Collins, who they really acquired just got nothing but cap space. I think that was a, hey, let's take a shot. And if it works, great. Otherwise, we'll, you know, we'll flip him. And in just to remind everybody, when Danny Ainge started the rebuild process with the Celtics the second time after the the, the Pierce Garnett championship mm-hmm. uh, years in uh, contention window, he did it. He had a season where he made about a trade every seven to ten days for about a two month period. It was crazy. They made so many trades that year. And that one culminated in our favorite uh, Woj on trade deadline day, just tweeting, "Oh God." Um, he said, good Lord, good Lord, whatever it was. I knew it was something <laughs> that, like that. That was and, an all time great so NBA great. Twitter moment. And that <laughs> was it, part of what did that was the Isaiah Thomas trade was like a buzzer beater at the very end of the day where that ended up being a great trade for the Celtics. But in that, that mm-hmm. window, he like acquired and then traded Jameer Nelson yep. and Brandon Wright and all these guys, Austin rivers. So Danny Ainge loves nothing more than being super active uh, during trade season. So it would not surprise me because they have so many tradable players on uh, very um, decent con- contracts that they mm-hmm. wouldn't be looking to move some of those guys around. A uh, little bit of, I mean, minor breaking news here, but the NBA has invited Mac McClung to defend his dunk contest title. 
Um, for you know, we've been plenty critical, and we'll get back to the Jazz in just a moment. We've been plenty critical of All Star Weekend in general, but Mac McClung was the bright spot of All Star Weekend this last year. So hopefully, he hopefully he does come back and, and defend the title because that would add a little bit of of excitement to what's been kind of a, a dull showing in the in uh, recent All Star games. Yeah, I also want to just note, and, and you're probably going to hear me talk more about some G League guys throughout the course of this week and next because the G League showcase is going on. Uh, it starts tomorrow here in Orlando, and I'll be be, be around the showcase quite a bit, uh, meeting with various people and those kind of things. Um, it, it's it's basically kind of uh, Mark Stein has written about this, but others have said it's basically like the NBA version of winter meetings in baseball. Like mm-hmm. everybody will be down here uh, doing this. And a lot of it is, yeah, they're watching the G League guys, but a lot of it is uh, also talking trades. But in the case of Mac McClung, Mac McClung, obviously cool that he's going to get a chance to, uh, you know, uh, go back into the dunk contest and do all that. But Trevor, here's his numbers in the G League this year. Mm-hmm. So far this season, 25.4 points per game on 46, 36, 83 shooting splits. Ooh. So, Really good, good shooting numbers. And that 36% from three is on nine attempts per game um, from downtown. So volume shooter, but also making at a pretty good clip. Four and a half rebounds, 5.9 assists. This is a guy who probably should just be on an NBA roster. Uh, he, he's clearly too good for the G League. Like he's think he's proven that over and over again over the last couple of years. So I'm hoping this turns into let's get a little bit of notoriety that gets him that full uh, roster spot that that he really probably should have. Is he the uh, the classic four A guy that we talk about on here? Do you think that's or do you think he's he's graduated from that designation? I, you know, I think he could be like a third point guard in the NBA where he's you know doesn't play regularly but if there's a night somebody's out or you're sitting a guy or whatever he could step in and be fairly capable because just the athleticism is there he can shoot he can score and what's been really exciting this year he plays for the magic's g league team so i've seen him a couple times in person play they're tasking him with hey you gotta run the team uh you know even more than you have in prior years at the g league level and that's been good to see too um that they're really kind of pushing him hey, let's really show that you can uh, run the team as well as score the ball and all those kind of things. So that's been been really good to see. So, yeah, I think he could be a real uh, NBA guy. I don't think he's going to step into a rotation and then no. play 20 minutes a night off the bench or anything. But a guy who once a week you need him to play 15 minutes a night, I think he could do that and hang in there. All right, we'll see uh, if he can if he can get himself a little bit further onto the map and onto the radar uh, in the dunk contest this year, assuming he accepts the invitation, because I would have to imagine that he will, and that's going to be a foregone conclusion. All right, so the yeah, Jazz be the favorite, right? So why not just grab some free money if uh, if for no other reason? Right? Exactly. Just exactly. Get up there and do, go do your thing. Um, okay, so the Jazz could be looking at making a move with Lowry Markkinen in addition to a number of other players. Again, as we get closer to that to that trade deadline, February 8th, more and more trade stuff's going to come out. We've got more trade stuff to talk about on today's show, but um, let's get to Draymond Green. So he has started uh, counseling, and the expectation is that he's going to miss at least the next three weeks. So now, even though the NBA is an indefinite suspension, now we kind of have a timeline, sort of. Timelines can be kind of dangerous, though, because 
If he's not ready to come back at that point, then fans get upset and everything when the when the player's not there. Trust me, we just went through it with Gabe Vincent. Sean Sterania reported a week ago that he was going to play today against the Knicks, and now he's still in the injury report saying out, and people are losing their minds. Um, so you got to be careful with timelines. I liked that the NBA used it as an indefinite suspension, but now at least we have a ballpark to know it's not like it's going to be the entire season unless something else happens, but it is going to be a significant chunk of time that, that Draymond's going to be missing. Yeah, and that'll mean this will be roughly a month, right? Yeah. That that he, he will miss this. You know, he's he's going to be out for you know roughly a month, and everybody's got different feelings on is that too long? Is that too short? Mm-hmm. For me, this is the, the whole idea of the indefinite was show you're making real progress towards that this isn't going to happen again, that you actually are contrite. You're trying to fix things, that you're trying to be a better person. And if that's you know where this gets towards, I, I don't think three weeks does it. I don't think anybody's going to say, that was it. He solved you know anger management issues. <laughs> Everything's good. Yeah. But I, I think you come back and you don't have another incident the rest of the year. And you, you know, and then we keep moving forward and making better progress. Well, then maybe this is a start to something and we can all be somewhat hopeful, right? That that is where maybe this is going, but, but yeah, I mean, it's going to take a lot. Like we said, this is not going to be Draymond's back for 10 games. And we're all like, oh man, look at Draymond. What a kinder, gentler soul he is. No, like it's going to have to be get through the rest of this year next year like we're always going to be on watch now for the next thing and it'll be for a lot of people it's going to be an opportunity to say told you so people don't change and mm-hmm. for others there's going to be an opportunity you know a week back to claim yeah look at you know what a better guy oh that was a garbage foul call and he didn't get a technical i also think it's going to be unfair draymond's going to get his tech going to get a technical and people are going to be like told you and wouldn't change and like Yep. Just get technical fouls. That happens. What we can't see is Draymond Green scrapping with another player or taking cheap shots or whatever, whatever it is like he's done in the past. So, so hopefully this all gets solved and we see him back soon. But, but only time will tell. Keith, I'll tell you what, what, you, what you're describing it is, and people have heard me talk about this on Lakers Nation before. It's, it's probably one of my biggest pet peeves about the social media sports landscape right now is how many, how many posts we see saying something to the effect of everyone else said X, but all along I've been saying Y. (laughs) As soon as you have anything that even looks remotely like whatever Y is, is supported and is is an accurate statement. Um, Regardless of what has happened before or after, if you have a guy that goes nuts for 50 points and he's averaging five points on the rest of the season – Person will say, everybody else said this guy's trash, but I've been a believer the entire time. We're just so eager for that moment to take victory laps because we believe and we want to make everybody believe that we've been right all along and everyone else has been wrong. The entire world has been against you, but I was right. We're so eager to create these kind of posts. It's a little bit crazy to me. And to me, it's there's more grandstanding the other way when it's, I told yes. you they stink. And I, yep. I, you know, you've been telling me that they're good. And I told you that they're terrible. Like for me, I hand up. I've said it a couple times on here and I'll repeat it again. I was not a big believer in the Minnesota Timberwolves this year. I certainly thought they'd be in the postseason mix, but I did pick them as kind of that 11th team in, in the West that would miss out just because Somebody had to out of that group of really good teams. Mm-hmm. And I 
wasn't a big believer. If they fall off in the second half of the season and aren't playing as well, I'm not going to be like, see, I told you so. They're not as you know good as I thought. But people do love that. And, and I, I get it. I like to be right, too. Don't get me wrong. I, I would much rather be right than wrong. But, yeah, it's, it is weird. And, and more often than not, it's somebody coming out and saying, I told you so, with yep. nothing to back that when. When did you tell me this? Like, when, right. when did you ever say these things? So, yeah, it's it's funny. But, yeah, I don't I don't like to grandstand over any individual's fall off or anything like that. I, I, I will occasionally be like, yeah, you know, this guy's been showing this. Like, like if Mac McClung makes a roster and ends up being an NBA guy, we're like, well, we kind of tried to tell you a little bit, you sure. know, there. But that's, you know, yeah, it, it is funny how that goes. You know, it, in, in today's world, you know, everybody wants to, you know, uh, put, pat themselves on the back big time. It's, and you're absolutely right. It's more the negative things than the positive things. The people want to say, see, I told you that player was always trash and and, and all yeah. this sort of stuff. Anyway, it's it's uh, one of my least favorite things about the, the current, social media climate that that we see as much as i spend all, all this time on social media and enjoy it and all that it's just it's one of the it's a weird thing it's almost like a it's a form of bragging that i'm like what what happened did we not learn things when we were growing up or, or what but um anyway draymond green so i i hope this works for him i hope this is you know this is the path towards him returning and being a player that you don't have to worry. I mean, I think we're always going to worry to some degree, but hopefully this all works works for him. He comes back, and hopefully the Warriors are still hanging in there. I don't know if you saw Steph Curry's three-point streak uh, got broken. I did, Finally yeah. Got, got snapped. He he did not make a three. And in fact, he only had seven points. Um, and I don't remember. 268 games. There it is. I knew you'd have it. Yep. Unreal stuff. Unreal stuff. But the Warriors... Maybe in a little bit of trouble. I mean, they're playing around with their starting lineups. They could certainly use Draymond. So I guess the question now becomes, what kind of shape are the Warriors going to be in when he does come back? And I guess this kind of leads you back into the trade deadline, too. If you're Golden State, we're talking like mid-January, Draymond comes back. Then they got to sort things out real quick and figure out what their plans are going to be before February 8th. Yeah, I think I, I am curious because... To me, the bigger thing for the Warriors that's kind of hanging out there is can they play better enough that then you feel good about we're going to trade a couple of the kids to try to really add a veteran yeah. and push this forward. Extend uh, Clay. Yeah, exactly. Do you extend Clay? Do things fall off enough that you're like, yeah, you know what, maybe we need to think about making kind of an unthinkable trade out of, you know, one of those, those you know, kind of core players there. I also think there's a chance Chris Paul, just the, it's the nature of his contract where it is. It's one of those ones that I call pseudo expiring because it is non-guaranteed for next season. Could that be a big trade piece either way? Right. Do you look at it and say, sure. we could trade Chris Paul to get what we need up front or on the wing. And we still feel fine. Cause we've got Steph and uh, we'll have guys like Gary Payton back and other guys. And that we only need to fill 10 minutes a game anyway, when it really matters. And so that could be a thing there as well. So, yeah, I, I think for right now, they've won a couple in a row. Steve Kerr's lineup changes have worked. They, they look good right now with, with some of the different guys uh, playing some spots. They have effectively swapped out, you know, two starters with Draymond going out and then uh, uh, Wiggins. Uh, Andrew Wiggins going to the bench uh, for Jonathan coming and Brandon Pajemski to get in there. So we're in a spot where it's working and we'll, we'll continue to watch and see 
where it goes. It, it's you know, it's still there for the Warriors. It's just the kind of margin for error is way slimmer than it's ever been during this run. Keith, they lost to the Thunder, the Suns, and the Clippers three in a row. Then they beat the Nets, which okay, the Nets, the Nets can be a, yeah, a tough sure. opponent. But then they then they beat the Blazers by four. Then they run into your Celtics tomorrow night. Yeah, that that could be a difficult matchup for them, especially without uh, without Draymond. So we'll see where yeah, things go from be, here. I just, of course, the Celtics get them where Steph is coming off maybe the worst game he's played in like a decade. So, so you know like, he's oh, going to cool. be yeah, red okay. hot. Yeah, I'm sure he's starting a new three-point streak with probably about 10 made threes uh, tomorrow night. Speaking of, did you see over the weekend, Keegan Murray? Holy Don't, cow. What do you have, 47? 47, 12 oh out of 15 goodness. from three. <laughs> or 12 out of 13 or something like that. Like, he, he couldn't miss. And some of them were more difficult than others, but, you know, still the ball's going in that much. That's That's absolutely incredible. And we didn't talk about this either because it was Friday night. Jalen Brunson, speaking of scoring outbursts, yeah, nine of nine from three goes for 50 yeah. against the Phoenix Suns. 17 of 23 shooting overall. That's uh, that's absolutely unbelievable. He had a better he had a better percentage from three than he did from the free throw line. <laughs> like that's insane. He was seven of nine from the free throw line, nine of nine from three. So you're saying he should shoot his free throws from further back. Clearly, that's that's the solution. Step yeah. further back. Yeah. I think Nick Van Exel did that at one point. Step back, yeah, like two steps. Yeah. yeah, guys have done that. Like uh who I can't remember who it was. Remember somebody shot it like off to the off to, to the, the side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for a while there. Yeah, we've seen guys switch hands. Mason Plumley did the one hander for a while. Yep. I don't know. All right. Well, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about the Zach Levine trade. So Sam Amick of the Athletic. Talk to Rich Paul, who is obviously Clutch Sports super agent and uh, the agent for Zach Levine. And Rich Paul basically hammered home the point that, look, yes, everybody tends to think that whenever a player comes out on the market or is going to be potentially traded, that they're going to be funneled to the Lakers because Clutch Sports has LeBron James, <laughs> Anthony Davis. But he's saying, and look, it's we happened have... about eight times. So right, it's it has happened before. There is a history of this. The Lakers sure. have signed a bunch of. There was a one point where the half the Lakers roster was Clutch Sports guys. There's there's reason for this, right? This isn't just some made up thing out of out of thin air that has no backing whatsoever. Um, there's reason for this, but he said, "Look, we've got players on 26 teams in the NBA. That's now the size and the power of Clutch Sports." So he's saying, "Look, this is not this is by no means a he's only going to the Lakers situation." Which, to me, Keith, read it between the lines, and this is just my own you know speculation here, but. We had the report about a week ago that there was no trade market or is no trade market for Zach Levine. Now you've got his agent coming out and saying, oh, no, 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 we're not just going, What we're open to all possibilities. To me, that says they're trying to create a trade market to Zach Levine where perhaps there, there isn't much of one right now. Completely agree. Yeah, this is the, hey, everybody else, he's not going to be unhappy if you trade for him. Like this is a, yeah. we just want to get out of Chicago kind of thing. So yeah, but it's again, big salary. He's hurt right now. Teams are going to want to either see him play and feel good about that. He's back or be able to examine that him themselves and then bigger salary. Got to wait for the trade market to open up a little bit more. I, again, we're going to continue to get Zach Levine news. And I put that in quotes for anybody who's uh, only listening where it will be, that will be a you know thing for the next month and a half. I don't think mm -hmm. we're going to see a Zach Levine trade probably until we're at the tail end of January or the beginning part of February, ahead of the deadline. 
Yeah, agreed. And that's not what the Bulls want. They want to move him sooner rather than later. But um, I, I think it's going to, it's a contract that big. It takes a while for mm-hmm. teams to feel comfortable, number one, trading for him. And number two, just believing that he's the piece they need. And a lot of teams aren't far enough along in their evaluation of where they're at at this point in the season just yet. Another month? Okay. Then I think there's going to be uh, some some fire to the smoke, as it were. I, I will say, interesting, unlike last year, when last year the trade market took a long time to develop because mm-hmm. there were so many teams kind of, yeah, we're kind of there, right? We're kind of right. in it still. This year, there are some god-awful teams. The Spurs, the Pistons, the Wizards, the Trailblazers, the Jazz, the Hornets, uh, maybe the Grizzlies eventually. The Hawks sound like they're open for business. There are some teams that are just, they're just bad. Um, so we, we I think we are going to have some real sellers, which is, that's good news for the buyers, right? Because uh, that means there's players to go get, and it doesn't mean there's like two players to from one team to go target like it's all right we might have six seven eight teams that are real sellers right now because they're looking to either rebalance or shed salary or just hey we're going a completely different direction and that's that's good news for the for the buyers not great great news for the sellers because mm-hmm. you may not be commanding so much of the market on one player like like you have in the past like for example if we got to beginning of february and zach levine was like the only star on the market which maybe he may be the biggest star that hits the market. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's the only one. Well, then the Bulls, the asking price can can be very, very high. But right. if it's, all right, if we don't get Zach Levine, we'll go get this guy instead, then the Bulls have to come down a little bit. So it's going to be really fun to watch that develop because we're just in a very different spot than where we were a year ago. And teams are also basically saying, yeah, I'm not waiting for a free agency anymore. Like, I, well, yeah. if we need to make a move, we're going to make a move now. That that will open up the trade market a little bit, too. Speaking of the trade market, one team that we're looking at as a seller may not be a seller or not completely a seller. Pist- I can tell by the reaction on your face, Keith, that you think yeah. this is ridiculous. Pistons looking to add to their roster. They have lost 23 in a row. Why would they be a buyer uh, on the trade market? I mean, unless I guess unless you were... I mean, you could be a buyer in the sense that you're trading away a veteran player in order to add young players, and you could say we're a buyer looking for young talent. But in terms of like giving a, a picks or anything like that, that's typically how we think of a buyer, somebody who's willing to sacrifice future success in order to win now. It doesn't make sense at all. The pit, they're they're out of it. They're they're done. They're not going to make a playoff push or anything. Why would they be a buyer on the market right now? Yeah, and let's put names to this because James Edwards of The Athletic did in two separate pieces, mm-hmm. one at the end of last week and then one that I think came out uh, maybe it was this morning or if not, it was last night. He said uh, two names that they could be looking at are OG and Anobi. All right, I kind of get that one maybe. It's Tobias Harris. The Tobias Harris one doesn't make any sense to me no. unless the idea is, hey, we're going to get some picks in Tobias Harris for – Bogdanovich and Burks, and we're going to send those two guys to the Sixers. Okay, then I kind of get it because what you're really getting there is expiring salary and draft picks. I have no Mm -hmm. real issue with that. But if you're acquiring Tobias Harris as the Detroit Pistons, who are, to be clear, they're 2-24 and with 23 straight losses. They're three off tying the single-season loss, consecutive loss record of 26 games. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You shouldn't be going and adding guys that are like in their 30s that you maybe want to retain. It can get to a point with some of these teams where it is so bad you have to go get some guys who can help you win a couple of games just right. so people don't say, I'll see you at the draft lottery about entirely because that's where we're kind of headed with this Pistons team. Um, but You're yeah, talking about the players this. on the team right now? The players, the fans, right? Like everybody's okay. just kind of, you know, it's just it's bad vibes all around with this team. And they're not even like the Spurs where it's like, hey, at least we have one Binyam and like five other young guys. Because right. their young guys are all in weird spots, not always playing a lot. Uh, you know, Monty Williams is very clearly still trying to get a handle on what he wants this team to be. And part of that is injury-driven. Fully will own that. They've, they've only had some guys back recently from injuries and the like. But, yeah, it's just a complete mess. So I would not be looking to do anything. I would certainly not be in a, any spot where I'm giving up any kind of reasonable assets. Uh, for any players to add to the roster, not right now. If, if I'm if I'm making any deals, it's I'm making these deals with the idea of all right, I'm adding to my asset base. It's not not to yeah. to uh, you know go away because if I'm OG and Anobi and I'm Tobias Harris, I might look at it and be like, all right, cool, but you only got me for the next you know four or five months here, and then I'm out free agency. Yeah, yeah, for sure, hundred percent. Now they've got the Hawks tonight, the Jazz. And then two games against the Nets. I mean, it's not impossible for them to win one of those. It's not, it's not but likely. It, it's not I likely, it, but yeah, I think if you're Pistons fans, it probably feels impossible at this point. Because the other thing is, too, they're not just losing these games lately, they're getting killed in a lot yeah. of these games. Like they're, they're getting drilled by 20 and 30 points. So that's a that's a whole other thing versus you you can't even be like, Yeah, we got unlucky 15 times. Like it's no, you're truly awful and that is you know bad 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 so yeah i don't don't give up assets and that leads to if this is where like if this is ownership driven that's one whole other issue but if this is troy weaver's like vision and direction i would start to question do i really want him running my team through a trade deadline like you know is that that where I want to go. And this is not specific just to him. This is just a general philosophy I have is if you feel like you may fire that guy over the summertime, do it now, do it now and move on. Cause there's no reason to let them run a trade deadline because embattled GMs that are on a hot seat need to make a move. They'll make a bad move is what more often than not happens. So yeah, who knows? That's true. That's true. Okay. Well, Piston's in a tough spot for sure. And um, it's not been good. 
for them, obviously 23 in a row. Now we're watching to see if they set a very bad record uh, <laughs> yeah. coming up in the next I week kinda, or like, so. If I was there, like, hey, if we're going to be bad, at least let's get in the record book. Well, like, but this isn't, you know, I was thinking as, as we're talking through how bad they are, like this isn't even the year to be bad. You know, it's not like there's yeah. that guy, there's that Wembenyama, right, that they're going to go get or, or something yeah. like that. And even you're then, the you know, the flattened odds kind of make that. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. You're a year early for Cooper Flag. Like, yep. he's not even in this one. Yeah. I mean, the draft, I keep saying this, the draft does not look great right now. It's the middle of December. It'll look better when we get to June. It, it just will. It's how it always works in a bad draft. Uh, if you will. So, but yeah, there is not the guy that we're sitting here saying, well, yeah, I get it. Like be terrible and try to go get Wemby. Like we're just not there. All right. Donovan Mitchell also commented on his future with the Cavs, which is, uh, has become a topic over the course of the season. You know, obviously with the injuries that the Cavs have just suffered, you lose Darius Garland, you lose uh, Evan Mobley. Obviously, these are, are brutal, brutal injuries for the Cavs to suffer, and it's going to be really difficult for them, I think, to stay afloat. But so now that throws Donovan Mitchell and his future into question a bit. He does have a $33 million contract this season, $35.4 million next season, so it's not like he's expiring right now, but a player option the season after that. So this coming yeah. summer, we're getting to the point where he can kind of start directing his landing spot if he does want to trade or something. But he said... Uh, he did a masterful job deflecting, saying that he just wants to focus on the Cavs right now and he's not thinking about the future. He may not be, but I'm sure there's a lot of other interested teams that are keeping a real close eye on what happens in Cleveland, what happens with Donovan Mitchell. Does he want to stay long-term? Because if not, the sweepstakes could start as early as this year's trade deadline if he so chooses to kind of put that out there and, and make it known to Cleveland that he's ready to move on. Yeah, I... It so timelines have kind of come out a little bit more for Garland and Mobley that maybe yeah. we got that news live uh, while we were doing our front office Friday show, which join us. If you haven't yet, you'll have a lot of fun. We have a great time on those shows, but Garland's going to miss at least a month, Mobley six to eight weeks. So there's no chance we're seeing uh, Mobley probably not till after the trade deadline, just with that kind of a timeline, unless mm -hmm. he's at the extreme front end of it. And then Garland's probably closer to, uh, you know, the, the end of January, beginning part of February. So if the Cavs, let's say they can't keep their heads above water and they, they got to win the other night, which was good. But if they really fall apart here, maybe you do start to have the conversation of, all right, if Donovan Mitchell is giving us signs or maybe even flat out saying, like I'm not resigning here. And some people said, well, he, did, he already did. He wouldn't sign the extension this summer. It didn't make any sense, sense for him to extend this early because he'd potentially be leaving money on the table. There's just, there's a lot of reasons guys don't extend. For example, De'Aaron Fox told the Kings the same thing and yeah. nobody's up in arms about that. That's just, oh, we get it because there's money at stake. Sure. So it's the same thing for Mitchell. But if you're team X and you're like, we feel pretty good that we can get him and the Cavs are like, yeah, our season's done. Like we're we're just ready to start talking. Go get them now, because then it'll help you the rest of this year. And then you already have them, and you can really start to figure out. All right, how do we need to build a roster around him going forward? More importantly, how do we need to build a roster when he's maybe on a fifty to sixty million dollar a year contract? Because that's probably where this is headed with mm -hmm. Donovan Mitchell. You start to put all that data together. So that could open up the trade market. I, I kind of think it's probably more of a this summer thing, but I could see a world where if the next month 
or so for the Cleveland goes so bad where they're like, hey, let's just get out in front of it. It's just a little hard a year and a half in to pull the trigger already on trading a guy you gave up most of your draft picks for uh, down the line. All right, so this will certainly be a situation to monitor with the Cavs and Donovan Mitchell. Is this something that ultimately comes to a head? Do we start to see some of the groundwork laid this year at the trade deadline that eventually starts to to really pop up next summer? Do they go ahead and, and make a move now? It'll be another player, in addition to Zach Levine, in addition to many others uh, that'll be out there on the trade market before February 8th, but certainly a big one to keep an eye on. Um, let's jump over to this. We talked about this uh, last week. The Grizzlies were going to have to make a roster move in order to bring back Ja Morant, and they've decided to waive Kenneth Lofton Jr. Uh, maybe not a surprise, given how much Bismack Biombo has been in their in their rotation has meant to the team that even though he was the latest addition, that Kenneth Lofton would be the guy that uh, that ultimately gets the axe here. Yeah, there is not an easy cut for the Grizzlies to make from their roster. They don't they don't have anybody who's just kind of there, right? That that's the challenge. And, and it was funny. I saw some response. Why not? You know, and they named two way guys. Well, that doesn't change. That doesn't solve the problem. They need to right. get down to 15 players. Uh, John Morant, one more game tonight is the last game that he is out on his 25 game suspension. So this will have to happen tomorrow. Uh, so very likely Kenneth Lofton Jr. is in his last little bit here uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies. Now we talked earlier in the show yesterday is Mac McClung, a four a guy. That's kind of what Lofton feels like. He's a guy yeah. who dominates in the G League. Uh, you know, plays really well for for the hustle and has done a, done a lot of good stuff. But then he gets into the to the big level at the NBA, and the game's just a little too fast for him. He's a little undersized for what he is. So you know, maybe he can figure stuff out. If he's going to make it in the NBA, he has to add range to his jumper. He needs to be able to yeah. make three pointers. Uh, that that would give him much more of a chance to continue to play. Uh, but for now, you know, probably get waived. Maybe a team claims him and says, "Hey, we have some minutes that we can give him and kind of figure it out from there." But I think probably more like it'll pass through waivers probably return to Memphis and return into their system. And then they'll monitor things as it goes from there, the rest of the way, but they had to make a move. So here we are. It's going to be John Moran coming back and likely Kenneth Lofton Jr. Uh, going out. This was a uh, Michael Cole of the Memphis commercial appeal had this over the weekend. All right. And then uh, the Suns, the big three, no longer. Well, once again, Bradley Beal is out. The Suns just can't seem to get help. I mean, we knew this was going to be a problem going into the season that that having all three of Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Bradley Beal healthy at the same time would be would not be easy. But now the Suns are going to be missing Bradley Beal for another few weeks, and they've they've not been living up to expectations so far. They lost to the Knicks when when Jalen Brunson went off. They, they've kind of look. The West is is difficult, but still the Suns are floating a little bit lower than I think most of us expected them to. Yeah, they're 10th right now, 14 and 12. Um, in the last spot in the play, and they're a couple games ahead of the Warriors. So two teams definitely underachieving a little bit there uh, in the West. And and we said there were three things with the Suns, right? It was either going to be, can they make it work without a real mm -hmm. point guard? Can they find depth? And are these guys going to stay healthy long enough? Well, so far, Booker's making it work without the point guard. The depth has been pretty solid. It's just the challenge is they're without you know, Bradley Beal and their defense isn't very good. That's the other uh, challenge in that part. That one, I don't see happening. 
I don't know how good it needs to be. If they can win a million or score a million points and win games, that'll probably be fine. But yeah, without Beal again, that's going to be really tricky for them to kind of figure out here uh, over the next few weeks. And I just worry Kevin Durant's been the only one who's kind of really kind of been there. Booker missed only a little bit of time, but you put this much on Kevin Durant. History tells us over the last few years, there's an injury coming with him at some point. He's going to miss time. And then if that turns into he misses time, then where are we at? Because that puts a lot on Booker with the, you know, decent role players, but he's got to carry. So I'm very curious to continue to watch how the Suns, you know, play through this. Obviously it can beat anybody on any given night because their scoring can go bananas on you. But for now, they're just kind of a slightly above average team. Yeah, that, that's what they've been. Their point differential says that as well. Yep. Um, right now, I mean, interesting in the Western Conference, it's 10th is the Phoenix Suns, 11th is the Golden State Warriors. Again, we are we still have a lot of basketball left to play, but certainly not what we would have predicted coming into this season. And both are behind the Houston Rockets, which we yeah, Right, yeah, that's the other piece of that. Both are yeah. behind the Houston Rockets with the Wolves at the number one seed and the Oklahoma City Thunder sitting at number two. You know, yeah. I was I did a, a a couple of Knicks shows over the weekend, Keith, and uh, just previewing Lakers and Knicks, which is taking place tonight. And they were talking about the West and, and how difficult it is and, and how many you know teams are, are right there. And, and, you know, there's some surprises around the league and everything. And I think this is we're getting closer and closer, just looking at the way the standings sit to what the NBA really wants in terms of parity to not being yeah. able to just say, Oh, this team is going to dominate all season long. And it's a foregone conclusion and all of that. And you look at the Western conference right now, the Rockets are surprising people. The Suns and the warriors are, are underwhelming. You've got the Mavs are in the three seed, the thunder are in the two seed. It's not quite to the level of say like football, but still this is, this is essentially the parody that, that uh, the NBA has been pushing towards. Yeah, maybe we'll do like post Christmas. We'll sit down yeah. and really kind of go through like who do we feel really are real contenders here. That'd probably be a good time to have that conversation and really get into it. Like who who are we feeling good? And then maybe we'll do it again like you know a month or two later and see how it's changed. Sure. Like are we feeling better about a team, worse about a team, and those kind of things? Because that can always be a lot of fun. Okay, let's jump to our old friend Demarcus Cousins. Hey. Signs in Taiwan. Now, it's just a 10-day deal. Four games. I wonder, yeah. what does he get paid for four games? In, I don't know. In, in Taiwan. I don't know what that is because that didn't, yeah. get, didn't get released. But he is signing it in money Taiwan. Money is good over there. I will say that. The two places where the money is actually pretty good that I don't know if a lot of people would know, Taiwan and Japan. Mm -hmm. um, guys get actually paid fairly well, and they get to live fairly you know, uh, comfortable uh, lifestyle. So that is Japan, especially is a place where a lot of guys uh, and American born players have gone to uh, recently and they, they kind of like playing there and then just they stay and they don't come, they don't bother chasing other jobs, other places because they like the lifestyle. So, so we'll see, you know, with, with, with this one, but yeah, I don't know what the money is like, but we saw Dwight Howard went there and put mm -hmm. up, Big, big numbers. I think Cousins probably will as well. He played in Puerto Rico uh, last. It was last year, but it was really their season's different. Their season kind of starts when the NBA playoffs start. So he was uh, played you know, springtime in the beginning part of the summer. It really dominated, as you kind of expect. He, I didn't fully realize he's 33. So it's not like he's like 36 or 37 yeah. and trying to hang in like Dwight Howard was. So Maybe he shows something here in Taiwan in this little call-up, and maybe a team says, all right, you know, we could do worse than Boogie for minimum big for the rest of the season. 
I, I did see a lot of the response on social media is that he should be on an NBA team right now. And there are people that think he, he can still be the DeMarcus Cousins of old. I don't think I'd go that far with it, but um, we'll see if he can prove himself in, in Tawana. Maybe grab some attention um, sure. that he wouldn't have gotten otherwise. But anyway, yeah. it'll be it was just a 10-day deal, so it'll be a quick quick trip for him for now, unless it turns into something longer. But yeah. um, but we'll Which see. Which it could too, right? The, this is probably a try of like, what does he look like here? How does he feel about it? And then if there's no NBA interest, yeah, sign on and, and hang on for the you know last uh, little, little bit here, their season or what. I don't know exactly what their season runs through. I right. should probably look that up. But, yeah, my guess is this is both sides try it out and maybe he's hoping, let me show that I can really still dominate and play. And maybe a team will say, hey, we can bring you in on a minimum deal. Maybe gets a 10-day with the NBA. Yo, sure. team uh, on the call up there on a 10-day call up or the team needs an extra big. So there's always a chance, you know, We'll, we'll, we'll see. His biggest problem when he last played in the league two years ago, he just couldn't move anymore on defense. So he really had yeah. a hard time on that end of the floor. All right. Let's jump over to Isaiah Stewart. It's a player that's in, that is drawing some interest, but the Celtics, the Thunder, the Mavs, Keith, as you know, though, you've been answering questions about him uh, for just, just <laughs> a little morning. while here. Uh, the challenge is the whole poison pill situation with his contract. It's it's going to be very difficult for a team to actually trade for him. Yeah, so what happens with these guys who are in the last year of the rookie scale deal when they sign a, an extension, which several members of this draft class did, Stewart included, what ends up happening is their money is imbalanced in a trade. And the idea for that is they don't really want teams extending guys and then turning around and trading them. They, they want it to be, hey, you extended them because you want them. You want to keep them. So mm -hmm. in Isaiah Stewart's case, he makes about $5.2 this season. So that's his number on the Pistons side of a trade. That's the number that would be uh, heading out from, from them that they would be able to match salary against. For a team coming in, it's the average of this year plus all the years on his extension. So what happens in this case is that is he makes $15 million a year of over four years on his extension. So that ends up an average of about $13 million or so. Um, that, that his contract bumps up to. So that makes it very, very hard. For example, the Celtics, the only way they could really match salary for him would be to pile together a whole bunch of their minimum mm -hmm. contracts or to part with the you know, rotation player right now. So for Boston specifically, the Thunder and the Mavs, they have other ways they could maybe get there. Boston's part of this specifically. This might be one of those where we talked about it already. You're kind of laying the groundwork for, hey, what would it take? And then maybe regroup over the summertime. I'd yeah. have a conversation. And once once July first comes around and he's on his new contract, his number changes to the to the fifteen million dollar salary he'll be on. So, but right now that imbalance with that poison pill provision that makes it really really hard to to match salary for any of these guys. And this is true of any of them that are in this situation that signed a rookie scale extension. And it only applies to rookie scale extension guys. Well, maybe the Pistons will use him to be a buyer on the market. They'll trade him, trade him for Tobias Harris, and off they go. That makes all the kind, all the sense, doesn't it, Keith? Yeah, yeah, that'd be <laughs> a real smart move. Oh man. Okay, um, let's. Well, gosh, I, I hate to get to this one actually. Um, oh, Chance God. Comanche ar arrested. Uh, this is about as, as bad as it gets. I mean, this is this is a, a murder charge here. Um, this is a, a G League player, I believe. Keith, I, I'll be honest; I'm not super familiar with Chance Comanche. Yeah, he said so he played. Can, he, 
Yeah. Talk it. Yeah. If you want. So he played in the G League the last couple of years. He's also played overseas. Uh, he went to Arizona. If people are college fans, you may recognize him from there. Uh, he's a center. He's about six foot 10, six foot 11. Uh, he did get a uh, one game call up with the Trailblazers at the very end of last season. He appeared in their last game of the year. Uh, he had been playing for the Stockton Kings, which is the, the Kings G League affiliate. He had actually played a game in uh, Henderson, Nevada, which is where the G League Ignite uh, play out of. He was there for a game, and then apparently the that night went with his girlfriend and met up with uh, another young woman. Then that young woman disappeared. This was uh, about you know a few weeks ago uh, mm-hmm. when this all went down. Uh, then he returned back to the Stockton Kings after this all allegedly happened, played in another game or two at least, but played in Portland uh, in a game against the Rip City Remix. And then on Friday, the Stockton Kings waived him because it was put out there that he was being arrested. He was arrested by FBI agents. He was arrested in California. Uh, they, they were waiting, you know, at least as of last night, uh, they were waiting uh, to, to extradite him to Nevada. Uh, unfortunately, very sadly, they found remains that turned out to be this other young young lady um, that that she was she was killed and murdered by somebody. Uh, they found her remains in the desert, and Chance Comanche and uh, the woman who's been reported to be his girlfriend are both now being uh, considered uh, subjects in kidnapping and murder uh, case here. So very, you know, just crazy story uh extremely unfortunate that you know somebody lost their life over all this and we'll see but for now you know clearly he's uh you know well out of uh, the range of anybody in the nba caring and he's off the g league roster and everything else and probably uh we're we're not going to hear from him again would be my guess uh, at any point uh, you know as far as his basketball playing future goes yeah pending the trial and once they figure out everything that actually happened and everything yeah i mean this is not good. Obviously, this is is terrible, and um, yeah, the 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 whole whole situation is definitely a mess. So hopefully, there's there will be more information coming out about this um, at some point, and then we'll see again. Like I said, I have to imagine this is all going to go to trial, and yeah, I mean, if it is what it looks like, then then that's that's the end of of him as a as a basketball player. Yeah, and probably uh, productive member of society. Honestly, absolutely off to prison for quite some time all right maybe not the story we wanted to lead into this with but daryl morey got an extension with the 76ers yeah <laughs> um, yeah this happened friday like might have happened while we we're on the live show but it, i think it happened right after uh mm-hmm. the live show so yeah i mean good for daryl morey it sounds like this extension ties him with nick nurse where the two of them uh, contracts will run now uh concurrent to each other so we'll we'll see there uh clearly nurse was maury's hire uh there to to run the team uh doc rivers was in place before maury got there so now the two of them are tied together and they're playing really well i mean they are it's funny i've seen a lot of people be like they've played such a soft schedule but yeah but they're destroying the teams they're yeah. playing joel Embiid eight times already this year hasn't played in the fourth quarter because the team's been up by so much. He has more points scored than he has minutes played this year. Embiid does. Oh, I saw that. Is, that's insane. That's insane. Yeah, because we're not talking about a guy who's played 10 minutes and scored 12 points. Like this right. is it's like 700 something to 700 something. So that's also crazy. They are, yeah, I mean, they are just absolutely destroying teams right now. So, you know, Maury came out of the Harden mess, 
albeit a mess he kind of created, but he came out of it looking pretty good right now. Got a lot of trade assets there. Obviously, the team, everyone's going to have their eyes on going into the trade deadline because it seems like they are positioned to do something to add to what is a you know, very, very good Philadelphia team. Yeah, there was talk around the league. Um, not, I'm not talking about like significant talk from the 76ers side or anything, but just talk from a lot of fans and, and people who were debating, like, would it make more sense to move on from Daryl Morey than to move on from James Harden? And again, I don't think that was ever really like a serious thing, but I mean, that's where the conversation was over the summer when it was looking like they were going to get, you know, pennies on the dollar for James Harden. And I think they still kind of did, um, but it's the, the team's winning. They're playing well. Things are kind of working out for them. And so this is what happens when you have success, then extensions are handed out. People get paid. It's it's the way that it goes. So uh, here's Daryl Morey getting an extension with the 76ers and uh, they'll get to see this thing through. Um, thank goodness for Tyrese Maxey. That's and, and, you know, in addition to Joel Embiid, of course, but sure. Tyrese Maxey, his ascension this year has really changed the fortunes of the 76ers from what we were predicting in the summer. And it's turned them into one of the big successes of, of the season so far. So, uh, and, and potentially a team to keep an eye on as a buyer at the trade deadline as well. Yeah, big time. They're getting a lot of production out of their role players too. Who are playing quite well, so they're they're doing good. And as far as the Harden trade goes, Trevor, I'm starting to believe in the Clippers. Man, seven straight wins. They're playing some really good basketball. So. I yeah, I don't want to do it again. I just don't want to go down this road with this team because I know, but I, I think I'm ready to get hurt again. So I'm, You're uh, ready to get hurt again. Here, here <laughs> we go with, with the Clippers. So we'll see. I mean, we might be talking about this one as one of the big time win-win trades, uh, you know, of the last couple couple years, pending what Philly does. And I mean, Philly already kind of won the trade because they just eliminated the distraction and all those guys, you know, Morris and Covington and Batum, they're playing really well for Philly. Yeah. They, those are three rotation players right now for the Sixers that they filled three rotation slots by, you know, moving on from uh, James Harden, which is that, that alone is a win. Never mind the draft picks and what they may turn some of those guys into later. So win-win trade right now. Cause Harden's playing well. And so are the Clippers. Maybe a topic for tomorrow. Do, does your opinion of the Gobert trade change now that the Wolves are, uh, are playing well, but that's yeah. something we can get into on tomorrow's show. We've gone on long enough for today. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Make sure you do subscribe right here to the NBA Front Office Show on YouTube. And, of course, don't forget to go find us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com